A night there was when winter died, then all alone she sang and cried, and danced until the dawn of spring, enchanted some wild thing that stirred him, till at last it broke the bonds that held him, and he woke from dreaming deep and cold despair. He strayed out into the night air, and the hillock green he stepped upon, but the elven sheen was sudden gone, the hill abandoned, she had fled away, but now his feet were sped, and as she went he swiftly came, and called her with the tender name of nightingales, in elven tongue, that all the woods now sudden rung, Tenuvial, Tenuvial, and clear his voice was as a bell, its echoes wove a binding spell, Tenuvial, Tenuvial, his voice such love and longing filled, one moment stood she, fear was stilled, one moment without fear or shame, one moment only barren came, and as she stood there shimmering, her gray eyes danced a glimmering. And Doriath, bound in a spell, then doom fell on Tenuvio, and Baron caught that elven maid, fair Luthien, whom love delayed. guys you're listening to keep on Tolkien. welcome back this is episode eight we're going to be talking about some pretty exciting stuff today yeah we're actually very excited about this at least i am i'm um, super excited we I, don't, I feel like we didn't build this up at all in any no, of the previous no, yeah. episodes i should have hyped it i want to i wanted to hype this but uh, we're super excited today we're going to start getting into the three major tales of the first age we decided it was about time mm-hmm and these are some of the uh, most fun tales, I guess, that you get out of the Silmarillion. Yeah. Um, and this one in particular is very uplifting. Mm-hmm. Of of the three. Of the three, because the other two are fucking sad. Actually, they're quite tragic. Yeah. <laughs> so the first one is uh, actually one of the oldest tales that Tolkien wrote. And it, you can tell by uh, by reading it, it's it's a lot more fairy tale-like. Right, yeah, there's a lot of magic and stuff in this episode. It's going to be so much fun. It's so much fun. And uh, that's the tale of Baron and Luthien. So yeah, and uh, we're gonna start out by talking about our uh, one of our main characters here, Baron. So in order to talk about Baron, you have to talk a little bit about the House of Baor, and by way of Barahir, Baron's father. The story of uh, of Barahir really, um, um, at least the start, the part that matters for this story, um, starts at the Dagor Brakulak, um which is one of the that's the Battle of Sudden Flame. It's one of the five battles of Beleriand. It's a pretty dark s- time. Six battles, excuse me. Right? It's a pretty. It's the beginning of the dark times for Beleriand. I think we touched on this in the Melkor episode. Yeah, yeah, we did. Episode yeah. five. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, dra- the especially this one, the Battle of, S- of Sud- Sudden Flame, is really marks the beginning of the dark times in Beleriand when Melkor got an upper hand, and uh, right after the battle. Um, most anyone that resisted was either pushed back or destroyed, mm-hmm. including the House of Beor. Mm-hmm. Um, and afterwards, uh, Barahir, who was head of the House of Beor at that time, he's he's basically commanding the uh, the House of Beor in the battle here. And uh, so what happens is uh, north of Tolsirian, 
our good friend who we've mentioned a few times before, uh, Finrod Feligand. Um, he is, uh, is, is completely surrounded by, uh, by enemy forces. And um, <coughs> uh, lo and behold, uh, Barahir uh, and the House of Bayor come to the aid of Feligund, and uh, they charge through, and they take heavy, heavy losses, like a good, good chunk of them die. And um, they eventually, they break the line, and they save uh, Finrod's life. And uh, for this, he's eternally grateful. What does he do, Joel? As a sign of gratitude. Well, as a sign of gratitude, Finrod Feligund gives Barahir the ring of his house. Which is where you get the Ring of Bear here. You right. might recognize that from uh, the ring that Aragorn wears in the Third Age. It's one of the oldest objects around. Right, and it's yes, one of the most beautiful as well, because it's made in Valinor. Um, it was made by the smiths over there, and like you, you don't really get better than Noldor smiths in Valinor. It's about as good as it gets. So yeah, he gives uh, a bear here his his uh, his ring, which is the sigil of his house, and he swears an oath to uh, always aid and uh, be friends with the house of Bayor and the can- the uh, the sons of of um, of bear here. Well, the the lineage of bear here rather, and uh, he swears this oath, and um, that pretty much seals uh, the the fate of one of the. Um, the main objects of the story here that's about to come up. So after the battle, um, and after the events of Barahir saving Finrod Feligund, um, Barahir is kind of leading a rebellion. Yeah, like a small group of, uh, I guess you could say insurgents. (laughs) I don't know if we want to use that word, but yeah, they're insurgents. Thing. Yeah, it was 12 men, including his son, Baron, who you'll recognize as one of the main characters of the story, Baron and Luthien. And uh, they're just being general badasses, and they're hanging around Dorthonian, uh, now called Tarnu Fuin, because it's a dark place. And they're they're just kind of fucking up Melkor's armies as they go. Yeah, they're doing as much as they can to hinder any movement of the enemy um, through that region. And and Morgoth hears about it, and he's not happy. So he he uh, he sets who else but uh, Sauron on to do the uh, to do the job here. He he says Sauron, I want you to fucking I want you to deal with this bear here guy, and his house because he's a thorn in my side and I need him done. So Sauron goes down there, and uh, they're very hard to find. This group of twelve men that bear here is leading. They're they're really good at you know the whole attack and hide business. It's their land, and so as Sauron does, he goes for more trickery, and he singles out one of the men whose name comes to be known as uh, Gorlim the Unhappy. Uh, he basically tricks this guy through a series of events, that thinking that his beloved wife might still be alive. Right. Yeah. Because uh, his wife, his house was broken into, and his wife was gone, and he thought that. She might still be alive, so Sauron gives him this like hallucination or um, you know dreamlike state where he sees his wife in captivity. So from there, then on, he believes that uh, that she's alive. Yeah, and Sauron uses that as leverage to uh, get out of the guy where Barahir's men are hiding, 
And then, lo and behold, he lets the guy know, your wife has been dead this whole time, and huh. you're going to die too. And it says that he dies pretty cruelly. It they says don't cruelly. Get into, yeah, they, don't, they don't get into detail, <laughs> but it's it's pretty bad. He said he put him to death cruelly. So we can imagine, if it's cruel by Sauron standards... It's pretty bad. It was probably pretty messed up. So... As you can probably expect, this leads to the downfall of that group of men. Um, one night, while Bear, or excuse me, one night while Baron is actually out and about, I believe he's gathering food or hunting. Yeah, he's doing he's doing some adventure or stuff. And uh, the band of orcs come across. Bear hears uh, eleven other men, and they're all slaughtered in the night. All killed, and they actually cut off the hand of Bear here, and they take it with them, including the ring. And uh, so as soon as uh, Baron comes back and finds that this has happened, he's he's not only just totally crushed, but he's furious. And it should be stated that uh, the guys from the House of Bayor are pretty big. Yeah. They're big men. Like, they're, they're brawlers. So mm-hmm. Baron's a big guy. Yeah. And he uh, tracks down the group of orcs, and he slaughters all of them. Kills them all. All in, of them. In their camp. And he takes his father's hand back, and he takes the ring. And then he kind of goes into rampage mode for a while after that, where all he does is by himself running around that, that part of town down in Dorthonian. Just killing orcs. Literally just slaying. Just killing whatever orc he can find. Yeah, and eventually he goes through a lot of these uh, these trials, and he, um, he sort of wanders his way down into Doriath, which uh, we're going to get into a little bit here. Tell you a little bit about the realm of Doriath. So... Yes, he gets. He eventually gets driven out and he goes south t- towards the kingdom of Doriath. Um, we haven't talked a whole lot about Doriath r- in the past episodes. We may have mentioned. Yeah, it, we've mentioned it a few times, but we, few, never really we haven't got really into gone it. into it. So, throughout the past episodes, we've talked about a lot of the kingdoms of the Noldor. We've talked about Nargothrond. We've talked about Gondolin. You know, we've we've said some fun stuff. But Doriath is one of the major kingdoms in Beleriand that's not of the Noldor. It's the major kingdom of the Sindar. The Sindar, yeah, and. Uh, so and it's run by a guy we actually already know from the um, Sundering of the Elves episode, Elway, who is the first uh, leader of the Teleri. Yeah, the three yeah. houses uh, of the elves that are there initially are that want to go on the trip. He was leader of the Teleri. He went to Valinor, he came went back as an emissary. Yeah, which makes him, if you guys are keeping score at home for this uh, elf shit, he is the only um, Calaquendi Sindar, which means he's the only Sindar. To have ever seen the light of the trees. Yep. He decided not to go in the end, but yeah. he had gone initially to and see what it was about. So he did see it, and he decided not to go. What does it And why did he him? decide not to go, remember? It's gonna, we're about to get into it. Yeah, because he meets Melian, this Meyer, the, um, female Maya, female Meyer. And uh, they uh, they kind of like fall into a trance with each other. Yeah, they fall in love the instant they look at each other. One day out in the woods, they come across each other, and they're lost in a trance for like years and years. For years and years. And nobody knows where they went, so they just go on with their lives. <laughs> to the point where um, a lot of the Sindar who did stay and decided not to go was because they were looking for Elway. Like, they had lost him. So they weren't about to leave without their king. So a lot of them stayed behind. And that's how they became the, the kingdom of Sindar right. in... Uh, the, the kingdom's name is Doriath. Now, Doriath is located in the center of Beleriand. Um, we Pretty can much right in the middle. Right yeah. in, literally right in the middle. We can throw up a map for some reference. Um, there's uh, just a giant forest, and in the middle of it is the capital city called Menegroth. The Thousand Caves. And it's called that because it consists of many, many caves. Many, many caves, yeah. It was actually uh, originally a dwarf uh, thing, was it, was it not? 
I believe it was an old dwarven stronghold. Yeah. The dwarves had started it, and then uh, they came across it and, and delved a little bit deeper and turned it into an elven kingdom. Yeah, and it's one of the more beautiful uh, kingdoms. Yeah. And yeah, it was... Uh, so Melian the Meyer, um, she is uh, the queen, essentially, of this realm. And so she put up this uh, magical barrier... Um, called the Girdle of Melian, and that allowed uh, nobody. It, it was a, a series of uh, enchantments that helped uh, keep people out, essentially. In, in in that, if you weren't of D- uh, Doriath, you didn't really know how to get out and back in. Right, because especially after the Noldor came back, that's what brought a lot of the trouble. I right. mean, they're they're really where the trouble comes from. They they're the ones that have the main beef and the Curse of Mandos. You mm-hmm. know, all that stuff going on with Melkor and. Um, they're the ones that are always fighting, even amongst themselves. Yeah, even they can't even get along with each other. But uh, so they're the Sindar are, are more or less just not willing to put up with it. So they have Melian put up the girdle of Melian around the entirety of Doriath, which keeps any evil from being able to wander in. And I think it's supposed to keep out men too. People yeah, are, just mortals in aren't general. supposed to be able yeah. to find it. Mm-hmm. So. That's that's kind of a backstory on Doriath. They're they're a pretty big place. They're probably one of the most established kingdoms in. Oh yeah, it's, it's, a, and it's older than. Um, it's older than the rest. Than Nargothrond and Gondolin and oh, all yeah. these. Oh uh, yeah, mm-hmm. because it was around cities. first. That's why Sindarin is the main is the main Elven mm-hmm. language because mm-hmm. Doriath has been around forever. But moving forward, uh, so yeah, they the the people in Doriath they were just trying to stay out of all the fights with Morgoth, and they refused to take part in any of the wars. And they lived in more or less blissful peace, which is where we meet Luthien, living in Doriath in blissful peace. So Luthien is the only daughter of um, of Thingol and Melian, so which means he's uh, she's uh, part elf and part Maiar. So she can do some pretty cool stuff. She's part a, elf yeah. that had seen the light of the trees, right? As well. So yeah, she's got that extra boost that you know that plus ten. Um, plus 10 stamina. Plus 10 stamina. Maybe plus 10 magicka. Uh, maybe constitution, maybe? I don't know. These are all D&D things which we're arguing about. <laughs> so she's uh, she's uh, quite magical on her own. Of the elves, they say that she is the most enchanting. She's got a voice that is known to be just heartbreakingly beautiful. And uh, her songs were known to lay enchantments as well. So she's uh, pretty magical amongst the elves. Um that said that when she sings, winter also melts into spring. And aside from singing, she also liked to dance a lot in the woods to the music of a character called Darian, um, who, they, they were friends. He yeah, he loved he was, her, but... Yeah, he was in love with her, but uh, he was like a minstrel. like a, He was a really good minstrel. Yeah, he was like uh, one of the great minstrels. They say even, uh, I was just reading earlier today, that he's even better than Maglor. So he's supposed to be pretty fantastic. Yeah, and Meglor is like the best musician. So of that's all the elves. that's what Luthien would do. Him, her, and uh, Deorn, Deron. Excuse me, I don't know if I'm pronouncing. I think it's Deron. Right. That's Dayron. how I say it. Yeah, Deron. They would go out into the woods all the time in Doriath, and Deron would play, and she would dance and sing, and it was just enchanting. And that is how Baron first came across Luthien, as he's fleeing, more or less, from Dorthonian or, or Taunorfuen from all this evil shit. I mean, his dad was slaughtered. Everyone he knew was killed after this battle. And he's just been going around killing orcs, and he got pushed out south. Not only did he wander all the way to Doriath, but he had 
to get to Doriath, he had to go through a very evil part of Beleriand. Right. They say there's giant spiders there. They say, yeah, they say when Ungoliant was last seen, when she traveled south across Beleriand and left, you know, the, the scene of the story, the uh, she, left, crime, yeah. she left some of her offspring in that area. And so it's been known to be like a, a uh, just a really dark place. The mountains of, is that, are those the shadowy mountains? The mountains of... Uh, no, I think those that's a different mountain. The mountains anyway, of fear? Is that what they're called? It might be. I think so, yeah. But uh, he... Mountains he, of terror. He went like through a lot, of, a lot of bad shit to get through here. Um, it's kind of like the, Bermuda, the Bermuda's Triangle of Evil in, in Beleriand. Like people right. get lost in there if you go in there and you can't find back. your way. And somehow he wanders through there, and not only that, but he wanders through the Girdle of Melian and into the forests of Doriath. And this guy is just... He's in bad shape. At he's this in point. very bad shape. Like he's insane at this point. He he hasn't been eating well. <laughs> he's been yeah. running for weeks, um, and then he just comes across the most beautiful image and the most beautiful singing that he can can possibly imagine, and he's just entranced. Yeah, and so he he listens to Luthien like uh, for quite a while. Kind of stalks her a little bit. Doesn't say much. Um, doesn't say really anything, but then uh, eventually he starts to sing back to her, and he names her Tenuviel, which is uh, is Sindarin for Nightingale. So she's initially afraid. Uh, they they don't see men in Doriath. You know they're not really supposed to be there. So they run from Baron initially when they see that he's there, and so he spends a lot of time trying to find them again. He's there from, uh, I believe it's. Summer until the following spring. And then he finally sees her again at the end of winter. She's out singing, melting the winter away back into spring. And this time, he runs out and he calls to her. And he doesn't know what her name is, so he just calls her Tenuvio. Tenuvio. Nightingale. And she stops, and she's just entranced by it. And he actually gets to run up to her and meet her. And they fall in love. Just like that. Just like that. Just like Thangol and Melian, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of fucked up, because later on in the story, as you'll see, Thingol's not too down with all this. <laughs> Even though he fell in love at first sight as well. And they say, as soon as they fell in love, doom fell upon Luthien. And uh, sometimes when they use the term doom in, in Tolkien, it's kind of up it's in the like, air. It's like whether a strong fate. Yeah it's, of, yeah, it's like a synonym for your fate or your yeah. destiny. But sometimes it has a darker tone to it like in this, because this does mean her doom. Yeah, literally, her yeah, her doom. And mm-hmm. the doom of, like, we'll Doriath and every like everything. Oh, and we'll get, the we'll doom get of, to oh, that. Oh, we'll get oh, there, guys. Oh, God, you guys, this story is so rich. So they fall in love, and naturally it's not a popular thing. Um, they just kind of meet secretly in the woods for a while until eventually uh, uh, Daron turns them into Thingol, Luthien's dad, and he's mm. pretty furious about this. Yeah, and like he's all ready to kill Baron. Like he's he's down to just murder him. And Luthien eventually he she gets him to swear an oath that she, he will neither kill Baron nor capture him and keep him prisoner. So he, he reluctantly agrees to this oath and like, all right. And then she brings him in as a, as an honored guest um, to meet before the king. And naturally, he's he's not happy about that. He's not trying to honor this guy in any way. He wanted no. to kill him initially. 
And so the king is pretty upset. Uh, and he mocks Baron to his face while just kind of asking them what's going on. Calls him a thief. Calls him a thief. And uh, he just, when uh, when he actually asks Thingol if he can marry Luthien, they all laugh at him. They literally burst out laughing at Baron. Yeah, they're, um, yeah, they, they are amused. So yeah, and Baron, <clears throat> originally when he gets there, He's too awestricken to to speak. Like he's. Uh, this is his first time being in. Yeah, being in Menegroth. Like, and, and it's beautiful. And it's beautiful. So like he's he's like he doesn't even say anything. He also sees a Maya for the first time. Right. He sees Melian for the first time. Yeah. And um. So he's like struck dumb essentially. And Luthien speaks for him, and and she says that, you know, this is uh Baron son of Bear here. We actually sing songs about this guy. Like, like they're an honorable house. You should yeah. have respect. Yeah, have some respect. But then he just continues to mock him further and ultimately, you know, in a sassy way says, you can't have my daughter by telling him, hey, if you want to marry Luthien, I want you to give me a Silmaril from Morgoth's Iron Crown in exchange. Yeah. If you think that she's worth any price, then that's the price. Mm -hmm. Him full well knowing that that just is either impossible or it's going to kill him. Mm-hmm. But then that absolutely infuriates Baron because he knows that they're mocking him, right? And you know it's just a rude thing to do. Just is assign somebody an impossible task. Um, it's kind of like in that episode of South Park when um, <laughs> Kyle's mom tells him he can go to the Raging Pussies concert if he brings peace to the Middle East, <laughs> and he does. And then they're salty about it. They still won't let him go. Anyway, it's a it's a great it's a great episode. But it's essentially that kind of it's task. It's a very like, good analogy. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's, um, it is the impossible task. And Baron just kind of plays along. He's like, huh, so small a price for such for such a thing. Uh, yeah. And he, he pretty much insults Thingol back to his face. Like, you want to trade your, you know, you know the, what you love above all else for a jewel? Like, something made by, by people? Like, Oh, yeah. He yeah. comes to his senses and he gets pissed off about yeah. it. He's just right back in your face. Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty fantastic. It's also said uh, in the narration portion of the story that uh, when, as soon as Thingol says that, as soon as he even mentions the Silmarillions, you know, bring me a Silmaril from Morgoth's crown, mm-hmm. he instantly intertwines himself with this curse of the Silmarils. Yeah, this doom of They Mandos. call it the doom of Mandos. And, and Melian, like, whispers in his ear, like, you just... You yeah, just Melian, did that. in that moment, I mean, Melian's <laughs> a Maya. She's she's she can godlike. See, yeah, she has, she has foresight. And after he says that, she says to him, "You know, we don't want to be doing this. Like, we mm-hmm. don't want anything to do with that." And sure as shit, I mean, he pissed off Baron to the point where he goes right on ahead and tries. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think that, I kind of think that Melian's complicit in this. Like, I think she let Baron in. Because they talk about earlier that there would be one person to get past the... Like, there's a prophecy that one person will be able to get through. A mortal will be able to get through the girdle of Melian. And then Baron just kind of... It's just... Not that he just strolled in or anything, but she knew about it. And, like... So she's kind of like... I don't know if she's complicit, but she's got... She knows more than everyone else. And I think she knows that Baron and Luthien are, like, meant to be together. But Well, I'm sure she does. She has foresight. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, she's she she's in an, a weird position throughout this whole thing. Cause yeah, she, it's interesting. Yeah. She could she could be with all of her knowledge having a bigger hand in the events here to help everything go better for everyone. But I guess mm-hmm. she she doesn't really. Well, she tries here. She's warning. Yeah, she's all, warning like, hey, the shit. We don't even we don't yeah. even want in, any of this business here. Yeah. But 
He's pissed off, so he keeps yeah. on going with it. And sure as shit, he gets Baron to actually agree. And he storms out saying, for a little price, I'll go get you one of these Silmarils. Yeah, and he yeah he says goodbye to Luthien and he leaves. And so that is actually going to lead us up to um, our newest episode of Minnesota Tolkien Theater, where you're going to pretty much hear that story, play that out. story, as if it were in Minnesota. So it's going to be the scene of uh, Baron in the throne room of Thingol and Melian. Luthien is there also, and they're just having this sassy back and forth. And yeah, I apologize in advance. Um, the female parts do not speak, and that's not. That is not because I didn't want them to speak. It was because we didn't have female voices to do to for do the this. parts. So we just yeah, we kind of I skirted around it. Uh, I apologize. <laughs> Maybe one day when we have more voices, we'll be able to do females. <laughs> if anybody wants to volunteer to be a voice on our radio, right? If any know. females out there want to want want to play some of the few female characters, that'd be cool. Um. So yeah, and uh, we got a new narrator this time. Well, he narrated last time too, actually. But um, Trevor Dunlap, and uh, yeah, he's from Gamer Radio, uh, uh, f- our sister podcast, essentially. And uh, yeah, he's going to come in and help us out. So this is Minnesota Tolkien Radio Drama. Enjoy. It was in this time that the great adventurer and warrior, Baron, son of Barahir, found his way past the girdle of Melian, and entered upon the kingdom of Doriath. There, in the woods, he came upon Luthien, daughter of the king. After a time, the two fell deeply in love. Luthien brought Baron to Menegroth, the Thousand Caves, to stand before King Thingol as her honored guest. Thingol swears an oath not to harm Baron, but his reception is cold. Now you got a lot of nerve showing up here, unhappy mortal. You come here and enter my kingdom, you know? What are you, some kind of thief or something, huh? Baron was too enthralled with the glory of Thingol's halls to speak. Luthien explained to her father that this was indeed Baron, son of Barahir, whose deeds were put into song even by the elves. Yeah, you know what? I, I don't really give a darn who you are, you know? You come here without my permission, and you know you're talking to my daughter... If I didn't swear an oath to bring you no harm, I would have chopped your head off a head where you stand right now, you know what I mean? Baron had finally remembered how to speak and replied proudly. Hey, now, I'm not about to stand here and take this kind of verbal abuse from anyone, hey? Not even from an elven king in his own halls. I'm Baron, son of Baron here. I'm a friend of the elves, you know. And I've got Felagun's ring right here on my hand. Baron lifted his hand to show the ring. The ring shone with the light of the stars of Varda, and its green gems gleamed with a magnificence only the smiths of Valinor can achieve. The room went silent. Oh yeah. Yeah, I see your ring there. Your buddy of Felagund over in Nargathron. Well, alrighty then, how about you tell me why a mortal stands before me in the halls then, huh? Oh yeah? Yeah, how about it? Alrighty then. How about this, hey? You know, your daughter is like uh, the most beautiful thing I ever Galdarn seen. And I've been all over Beleriand, you know? Oh, yeah, she sure is. Real pretty, yeah. Could you maybe uh, get to the point here? Oh, yeah. You know, me and your daughter here, uh, we're in love, hey? And uh, I'm here to ask her hand in marriage. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. Thingle seems to give this some consideration. He smiled as he began to speak. Alrighty then, mortal. 
How's about this? You can have my daughter, but first you gotta bring me something. Oh, for sure. What's that then? Well, how about this for a quest? You gotta bring me one Silmaril from the crown of Morgoth. With that, the room fell silent. Oh, yeah? Ha! Such a small price, you know? I thought you were gonna say something super duper hard to get or something. You know, uh, that sounds good to me, hey? Baron once again lifted his hand. The ring of Barahir gleamed gloriously. Right here, Thingol. Next time you see me, hey, I'll have one of them Simarols right here in my hands. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And with that, Baron turned to leave. Remember that, hey, right here in this hand. <sighs> well, already then, I'm off to get one of them jewels for you. Yeah, you have yourself a good day there. Thingol stared in disbelief. Baron was almost out of the door before he spoke. Oh, yeah, yeah, you too there. And with that, Baron set out on his most fateful quest. Alrighty, yeah, that was Minnesota Tolkien radio drama. Um, hope you guys enjoyed it. We have special guest uh, Trevor Dunlap there doing the narration. He's uh, once again from our sister podcast, Gamer Radio. Find him on iTunes or uh, SoundCloud, Gamer Radio. So moving on with the uh, story of Baron and Luthien, uh, we jump back in basically at the end of that scene. And Baron is on his way out, and he's uh, furious. And the first thing he does when he leaves the Menegroth is he heads toward Nargothrond, which uh, some of you may recall as the Noldor Kingdom. Noldor Kingdom led by... Finrod Felagund. Finrod Felagund, our buddy and favorite. Everyone loves him. That's the thing. They He's literally great. say he was the most beloved of the sons of Finway. Mm -hmm. So, like, everybody friggin' loved uh, uh, Felagon. He's, he's a fantastic guy. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so Finrod Felagon, he's the king of uh, of Nargothrond, which is where we're about to go. There's actually a really cool scene um, when Baron finally starts to wander into, like, the realm of Nargothrond where the elves are hunting and stuff like that. He knows that they see him, but he does not see them. So he just holds up his hand with the ring on it, and he says, I'm Baron, son of Bera here. Take me to the king. And they fucking do. They come, on, they come out of wherever they're hiding, and they're like, oh, all right, let's, let's take him to the king. Because he looks pretty fucked up at this point still. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't been having a good time. But he gets an audience with good old Finrod Feligand, everyone's favorite guy. And Finrod immediately recognizes him. Like, oh, right. Ring or not, he says, like, I, I recognize you as Barrier's son. And he confides in him about everything that's been going on with Luthien, you know, everything that happened with the, the death of his people and his family, and, and basically his mission now to marry the one person that he loves most. And he calls on the oath that Finrod swore to the house of Barrier. Which, we, yeah, we talked about in the beginning of the episode with uh, with the ring. Um, so, yeah, so uh, Finrod at this point knows he's like, ugh, shit, this is... Uh, bad news bears. This is bad for me. <laughs> and um, and at this point also, we got two of the biggest assholes in the world living in Nargothrond. So at the time, in Nargothrond, um, not only is there Finrod Felgen, but two sons of Feanor happen to be staying there at the time. And they're right. two of the biggest assholes in the world. In the entire world. And their names are Kelegorm and Kurufin. Kurufin. And also Kurufin's son, Celebrimbor, <gasps> is living in Nargothrond at this time. Oh, boy. We know about Celebrimbor, right? He made the Rings of Power. We'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Real rich with characters. Yeah. 
But these two assholes, being sons of Feanor, they're the, some of the main people that have this beef with Morgoth about and, yeah, the and, Silmarils. And they're trying to get them back they have They have an oath that Feanor swore that they're trying to fulfill, that they will kill anyone to get those jewels, basically. So when they hear that Bera here, or I'm sorry, that Baron is here, and he's asking the king to go help him get some Silmarils so he can give it give to... Give them to us, Sindar. Yeah, they're they're like, no way, Jose. Yeah, no way, sir. And they get all pissed off about it, and they even start to turn the people of Menegroth of Nargoth- against of, yeah, of, of Nargothrond. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, the people of Nargothrond they've uh, they've kind of created like a uh, like a like not like like a like a group of followers within um, a group of Feanorian followers within uh, Nargothrond, and they kind of draw some water. So at this point. They're getting, um, Finrod's like, well, you know, I gotta, I gotta go do this. And the people are like, you know, they're starting to turn against them because the sons of Feanor are, are like, they're not about to help, obviously, because yeah, they're, they're, they're just spewing, they're cowards, yeah. They're spewing shit, turning people against the king because they don't like the idea of it. And eventually, uh, Finrod Felgen gets so pissed off that he throws his crown on the floor and he says, "You guys, basically, you guys can be faithless to me, I guess, if you want. But, but I'm, I'm going to stay. Break my oath. Yeah, he yeah. says I'm going to stay true to my oath. Because he and, is uh, cool like that. He's he's a real stand-up guy. God, I love Finrod. He's basically like the uh, Eddard Stark. Yeah, 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 kind of. Yeah, I see it. I mean, I think he's. I guess I find him to be a little cooler than Eddard Stark. But yeah, he's the same kind of guy. Tragically, to his word." Yeah, to the point where it's uh, to a fault, right? Almost, just yeah. about. Yeah, and um, so yeah, so eventually, uh, Felagund and his uh, his posse, his best group of men, um, they leave, um, Nargothrond, and they uh, leave the crown to Orodreth, uh, Felagund's little brother. So when they when he left, they left with uh, ten other guys, uh, including Baron. And they're all set to go all the way up, I guess, to Angband. And they were, it was their mission to go get one of these Silmarils somehow. Now, on their way, they start heading up north from Nargothrond. They, uh, they end up running into a band of orcs. Just kind of right off the bat, because, I mean, orcs are a thing nowadays. After the, battle of, yeah. after the Battle of Sudden Flame, like we said, it's dark times. Orcs are Roman. Mm-hmm. And uh, they take this to their advantage, actually. And they slay the orcs. And uh, Finrod uses some of his awesome magic to kind of make them look like the orcs. They take mm-hmm. all the orcs' armor and clothing, and then he uses his magic to disguise them as orcs. Mm-hmm. And then they continue heading north in disguise. So eventually uh, we get to where they're, tra- they're traveling um, through the Pass of Syrian. And um, Sauron is uh, on former Tol Syrian, uh, Finrod's own tower. If you'll remember from our Sauron episode, mm-hmm. he uh, took Tol Sirion with a whole host of Halloween-like characters. Halloween animals, uh, or Halloween-like creatures, uh, vampires, you know, giant serpents. Uh, giant are, bats, you know, giant werewolves. Bats, werewolves. He's, he's particularly into the werewolves, I guess. Yeah, and Sauron becomes aware of them, and uh, he sends a whole group of uh, Halloweenish creatures and orcs to uh, capture them and bring them in for questioning. He doesn't know who they are, but he basically sees a band. He's, he's all aware, and he notices a band of orcs that isn't. They're traveling pretty quick, and they're not stopping to check in. Yeah, Suspicious. Yeah. So he wants to. He still thinks that they're orcs when he gets them to come in, but uh, as soon as he gets them in there, it's bad news. And uh, yeah, so he 
strips them of their disguises and uh now ensues what i like to call the sing-song battle <laughs> between um uh Felagund and Sauron so basically this is a power of song this is a, a, f- a fight of song which uh in this especially in in the story of Baron Luthien song is kind of synonymous with magic and um so there's this magic battle and uh Finrod uh eventually loses but he also in in losing he is able to um keep their identities secret so he knows that they're an elf and a man and yeah a bunch he strips of them of their their physical disguise but he still doesn't know who these people are right and yeah so and if he did he'd shit right like if he, if he knew he had baron son of bera here and finrod in oh, his dungeon oh man he he'd be happy as a clown so here i just thought it'd be fun to throw out a quick excerpt from the lay of luthien uh, <laughs> about the the wizardry battle that they had between sauron and finrod felagund so this is as Sauron's trying to rip their disguises away, and Finrod is using his magic t- to counteract it. <coughs> he chanted a song of wizardry, of wizardry, of piercing, opening, of treachery, revealing, uncovering, betraying. Then sudden Felagund there was swaying, saying in answer a song of staying, resisting, battling against power, of secrets kept, strength like a tower, and trust unbroken. Freedom, escape, of changing and of shifting shape, of snares eluded, broken tap traps, the prison opening, the chain that snaps. Backwards and forwards swaying their song, reeling and foundering, as ever more strong, the chanting swelled, Felagan fought, and all the magic and might he brought, of Elveness into his words, Softly in the gloom they heard the birds, singing afar in Nargothrond, the singing of the sea beyond, beyond the western world on sand, on sand of pearls in Elvenland. Then gloom gathered, darkness growing, in Valinor the red blood flowing, beside the sea where the Noldor slew, the foam riders in stealing drew, their white ships with their white sails, from lamplit havens the wind wails, the wolf howls, the ravens flee, the ice mutters in the mouths of the sea, the captives sad and angband mourn, thunder rumbles, the fires burn, and Finrod fell before the throne. Damn, that was a hell of an excerpt. God, I love those lays, man. They're so they're so freaking awesome. I could read them all day. They're so much fun. They're so great. Like, cause. I was always a fan of poetry in school, but it's like it's like Tolkien poetry. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's Not like, only does he keep his rhyming and poetic structure really well, but he tells a story that's beautiful and he tells it clearly and efficiently. Yeah, exactly. It's not muddled at all. Like there, it's real easy to follow. Yeah, it's cr- it's crazy. Like if it was muddled at all, it's because I'm muddled speaking. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, as far as like the the story structure is not muddled. Right. Yeah. So at this point. Um, like we said, Sauron finally tears down Finrod, and his magic isn't strong enough, and he reveals that they're not orcs, but he still doesn't know who they are, and mm. they won't talk. So Sauron, you know, having plenty of tricks up his sleeve and having time and is just a general asshole, he throws all 12 of them into a dark pit where it's just pitch black. And they're and naked. They're naked. And there's a werewolf down there somewhere in the dark. They can just see its eyes every now and then. And once in a while, it just pops out, 
and grabs someone and devours them. And devours them. And it's, you know, a horrifying fear tactic. Right, yeah. And so one by one, eventually, all of them are dead, except for Baron and um, and, and Finrod. And Finrod's, you know, chained up or whatever. But uh, he sees this wolf coming for Baron. And once again, you know, fulfilling his oath, he summons all his strength, breaks his chains, and literally fucking tackles the werewolf and kills it with his bare hands. And he's, in the, he's naked. And he's naked, by the way. It literally says in Tolkien, I was just reading this earlier, it says he fought him with his hands and teeth. Hands and teeth, and he killed this werewolf. And the, uh, uh, sadly, um, as, as one would expect, uh, some pretty bad uh, wounds were inflicted um, on, on, on Finrod Felagund. And uh, so Baron kind of takes him in his arms, and um, he um, he says uh, he says a couple words of farewell, and um, dies right there in Baron's arms. And Baron is just beside himself with grief. Like, just little did he know that this oath was going to kill him. Right. Finrod knew before he left that this was probably going to kill him. Mm-hmm. I don't know how Baron couldn't imagine that this was going to kill most of them, but. He's he's pretty beside himself, and he did everything like, and that's the thing about Fenrod is like he knew that it was going to be the end of him probably, and he did it anyway, and he fulfilled his oath at every chance he had, and um, what did he get for it? Right, died naked in the dungeon. I mean, at this point, everything's still pretty dark. Baron is still by himself in the black, naked, in Sauron's pit with all just, of his friends dead around him, just crying in a just, mess of gore. It's 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 a pretty low point for him. It's a low point. And in hey, the, uh, in the Silmarillion itself, it's a pretty low point. It's a pretty low point. And uh, hey, guess what? Uh, that's actually the end of uh, part one. We're gonna leave you there. We're gonna leave you to stew in that awful moment. But I promise, the end of this story is a lot better. It's uh, it's a lot more uplifting. It gets it gets uplifting. Right now, you're thinking, "Wow, they said this was gonna be an uplifting story." And now one of the greatest characters ever is dead naked in the dungeon. And they're just going to leave us. Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. Hmm. Sorry. But yeah, that's the end of uh, part one. That's the end of part one of this episode. Of Baron and Luthien. Tune in. We're going to cover the rest in episode two. And let me tell you, shit gets pretty crazy. It gets crazy. And uh, it's already been pretty crazy. There's already some pretty crazy stuff. But um, it gets even crazier. So thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. Um, this has been Keep on Tolkien with Joel N. And Danny J. We'll see you next time. <laughs>